It's good to be with you this morning. Welcome again. I'm Jeff Strong. I'm the lead pastor here at the Nelson Covenant Church. Today we are wrapping up our series that I've entitled Reset. And the goal of the series has been fairly simple and straightforward. It's to really examine practices and habits that allow us to deeply experience recovery and restoration and renewal throughout our lives. And while sometimes we end a series on kind of a, a, a high note, what I'm talking about this morning is incredibly important, but might not strike us as particularly exciting. But the older I get, the further and deeper I walk with Christ, I'm really convinced this is a critical practice to learn and to develop if we want to experience real renewal and restoration in our lives. This morning, I want to talk about learning to reset by learning to identify grief and respond with lament. So I want to talk about learning to reset in our lives by learning to identify grief and respond with lament. This comes out of my own journey over the last number of years, escalating over this last 12 months. My own grief journey processing all of the dynamics involved in that personally and professionally, but it's also come from many pastoral conversations that I've had with people who find themselves stuck or challenged, weighed down, burdened. And over the course of our conversation, I've realized they're learning some of the same lessons that I am, which is the critical importance of learning to identify our grief and then learning how to bring it to God. Some of the losses that people have talked to me about are losses that have been precipitated by the pandemic, maybe amplified by the pandemic. They touch on the personal and the professional. And like I alluded to, 2020, personally speaking, was a tremendously formative year for me in terms of becoming aware of the layers of my grief and how to learn to bring that grief into God's presence in a way that I can receive healing and help and care. Part of what I've learned over this last year is that there's a difference between grief and lament. Some people think of those as synonymous, but they're actually fairly distinct. So when we talk about grief, that's a noun, that's a thing. Grief is the experience of loss. So whenever I lose something important to me from a loved one, um, a boyfriend, an opportunity, a scholarship, I experience grief. Grieving is the process of expressing that grief. So whether it's crying, sharing with a friend, that's grief. We, grieving. We've experienced the grief Now we're expressing it through grieving. But lament is sort of another layer to that. Lament is more than just grieving because it's more than just expressing the grief that that we feel. Lament is learning to express grief in the context of worship and in the presence of God. A really helpful, I mean, for me, it's one of the most important text to reflect on as it relates to 
grief and grieving and lament. And that comes out of Job chapter one. Uh, In the first chapter of Job, we have this person who by all accounts has it all. And then he experiences a number of catastrophic losses in really rapid succession. And he experiences an overwhelming grief. And then in chapter one, verse 20, we read these words. It says, at this, Job got up and tore his robes and shaved his head. That was an ancient uh, way of expressing grief. So Job feels the grief. Then Job expresses the grief by tearing his robes and shaving his head. But then he does something else. The next verse says, then Job fell to the ground in worship. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord is given and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job experiences grief. He expresses his grief, but then he also brings his grief and expresses it in the context of worship. That second movement is lament. And from my pastoral experience, many Christians have a diminished capacity for both grieving and lamenting. Of those two, grieving is probably the more culturally acceptable one. However, even in our grieving, we can be tempted to feel, we can be tempted or even feel pressured to bypass our grief because it makes us so uncomfortable. Maybe we're tempted to bypass our grief because it makes those around us uncomfortable. So we try to be positive or find different hacks, mental hacks to minimize the grief or to focus on what we still have. And the result is that we end up holding our grief inside. It becomes very private. Now, lament is even more tricky, I think, sometimes for Christians because Sunday morning, sometimes small group settings, contexts of worship usually aren't really amenable to someone wanting to lament. You know, you can have the stereotype of Sunday morning is kind of the happy, clappy time. We're celebrating our faith, and that's true. But how often do we create intentional spaces where people are allowed to come in the context of worship to just pour out their grief? Sometimes we reinforce this attitude by not even talking about grief. I searched the messages that I've preached at this church over the last six years. Only four even use the term lament And only one other had lament as a significant portion of the message. But this will be my first message in six years here at this church on lament. That's not good. I would say that's not faithful to the biblical witness. Because learning to identify our grief and express it in the context of worship is critically important. Now, for some people, I know the temptation is to hear this message and kind of be like, grief, I don't know, this is painful, this is awkward, this is just boring, doesn't touch my life right now. I don't perceive this to kind of be a live issue in my life, so maybe you've already checked out. But I want to strongly caution you from ignoring this topic. Because I'm increasingly convinced that every person 
is held back in so many ways if they don't learn to experience and express their grief. And if as a follower of Jesus, we don't learn to do that in the context of the presence of God, we are going to experience a stagnation that touches so many areas of our lives. It's critical that we learn to identify grief and to respond with lament. And the reason why I say that is because life is a continual reckoning with loss. Those losses might be very large. They could be small. But those losses occur throughout our lives. And in some ways, with what looks like an increasing frequency as we get older. And those sorrows, that grief, when it's not addressed, can compound and it can stack. In Ecclesiastes 1.18, the writer says, For with much wisdom comes sorrow, and as knowledge increases, grief increases. There's a lot of ways to understand that verse, but I think it's pointing to a truth that as our knowledge of, of life and our own experience grows and our knowledge of other people's experience grows, grief compounds because there's a lot of life that is directly tied to loss. If we don't learn to grieve and lament through these losses, honestly and courageously, we will get stuck. Walter Brueggemann, who's an Old Testament scholar who looks at the, one of the major themes of, well, he looks at the theme of lament specific to the uh, Old Testament and the prophets, He says, what we learn in scripture is that without grief, there can be no newness. Grieving and lament is a way that we move into God's future for us. That's why Jesus promised, blessed are those who mourn because you will be comforted. Grieving and lament helps us get unstuck. It helps to dislodge the stagnation in our soul and in our hearts. If you can't experience or express grief, you're going to find that real life-giving growth and freedom and connection will be increasingly compromised and limited. And that will hold for your relationship with God, yourself, other people. If you can't experience and express your grief, it's going to lead to an accumulation of numbness and anger and resentment and disconnection if you can't experience and express your grief, it will kind of sit on your chest and it will get heavier and heavier until your breath and your life becomes shallow and strained. Put in the context of this larger series, we won't be able to move into a real reset where we experience restoration and recovery and renewal if we don't learn to grieve and lament. You can't outrun your grief. And you can take that from someone who has tried. Grief is patient. It will outlast you. The only way to experience relief and release is to experience it, acknowledge it, express it, and then bring it to God in the context of prayer and worship. 
it's sad that grieving and lament is so critical to our overall spiritual health and well-being. And yet we avoid it like the plague. And I was researching and reading different people's experience of grief and why they avoid it. And someone said the obvious, but I loved it because it was so simple. They said, well, I avoid my grief because no one wants to be sad. No one wants to feel sad. And grief is so uncomfortable. It's so disorienting. I was talking to my counselor about it and she said, people avoid grief because all of us are scared of being swallowed up by big negative emotions. They feel incredibly threatening and it reminded me of the story of Jonah and the whale, right? It's like grief is this whale and it's like if I give in to this, if I allow myself to experience this, it's going to swallow me and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out. And so we find different ways to hold our grieving and our lament at bay. We find ways to minimize it, to deny it. Oh, that loss wasn't actually that big a deal. And uh, yeah, that was significant. You know, that was, that was a loss and it hurts. But like, look at all these other things I have. We can bypass our pain and just try and leapfrog right into joy mind over matter. We can even do spiritual bypassing where we don't allow ourselves to move through grief. We just sort of try and leap over it by reminding ourselves the joy of the Lord is our strength. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm going to be praying that Christ strengthens me to bypass this uncomfortable grief. We can numb ourselves. This happens all the time through food, drugs, alcohol, pornography, Um, all kinds of hedonistic distractions, overwork. And what's sad is that some of these avoidance strategies actually look like healthy coping mechanisms, right? If someone all of a sudden goes through something that from the outside looks like it would be devastating, but within a few weeks they bounce back and they're more productive than ever, ever, or they seem to have returned to normal life, we can sometimes mistake that as Something very positive, right? Oh, wow, look at Jeff. Jeff's back to his normal life. He's himself again. He's back at it. Actually being even more productive seems more motivated. And yet behind the scenes, what's happening is I'm using those things to avoid grieving, to avoid lament. It's not actually healthy. It's not a sign of strength. And and besides, I don't think the point of grieving is to simply process it in order to get back to normal. I would argue that the purpose of grief is to provide a doorway to spiritual transformation. And transformation that touches every part of our lives so that our walk with God is deepened and enhanced. Our ability to love and care for others is deepened and enhanced. Our understanding of who God has made us and called us to be is enhanced. I'm really aware this topic is not easy to address. It's uncomfortable because it it touches on places of wounding that many of us would just rather not face. Just like it's difficult to sit in this to 
even take a few minutes on a Sunday morning to ponder this topic, it's even more difficult to imagine how am I supposed to move into this? How do I, what am I supposed to do with a message like this? How do I move into practices that help me identify and experience my grief and then turn towards God with it? And to that end, I want to share with you two very simple but powerful practices that I have learned about in my life. I am still very much in the beginning phases of implementing, but they have made a huge difference, holistically speaking, in my growth as a disciple, as a Christian, as a person. And I want to, I want you to, as a preface to these practices, I want you to know that like, I'm someone who finds it very difficult to experience and acknowledge and identify my own emotions. I'm emotionally stunted for all kinds of reasons. And so if these have worked for me, I really do think they stand a good chance of working for anybody. So take heart. The first is a more general practice that isn't necessarily even connected to grief specifically. And I would just call it a daily pause and check-in. And what this is designed to do, this simple practice, will just help you over time grow your capacity to identify and experience any emotions that, you are, um, that are a part of your life. So this is a practice that not everyone will need to do, especially if we're more emotionally connected and more self-aware and mindful of our emotions and our emotional life. But to those of you like me who have a difficult time acknowledging and experiencing and identifying our emotions, um, you will find this to be a very helpful complement or even foundation that will open up the next practice to you. So pause and check in. Really simple, here it is. Ideally, once a day, but you could push yourself and do two or three times a day. You are simply going to pause wherever you are. You could be driving on the car, in the car. You could be uh, sitting at your table at home. You could be in the bathroom at work. It doesn't matter. You're just going to pause, bring attention to where you are in the moment, and you're going to ask yourself, what am I feeling? And you're going to say that out loud. Not just in your head, you're going to say it out loud. What am I feeling? And then as best as you can, and even if it's hard or difficult, uh, still, still do it, still go with it, to just try and name what you're feeling out loud. I'm feeling disconnected. I'm feeling really excited. I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling, I just feel bored. That process of asking yourself how you're feeling and then intentionally trying to bring your attention to it will help you develop a sensitivity to your emotional and interior life. And then those, those steps are from a, uh, a book that has been really helpful for me over the last year and a half called Running on Empty by Dr. Jonice Weber. I would add a fourth step to it. I would just pray to God and acknowledge in that moment, how you're feeling. And honestly, just leave it at that. So I pause, 
Maybe I take a breath and I just try and slow down for a moment, be mindful of my interior state. What am I feeling? I'm feeling really angry. I'm feeling really ticked. You might not even know why. That's okay. You're just trying to practice and strengthen the muscle of becoming sensitized to what you're feeling. Then I say, I'm feeling ticked. And then I would add, say, God, I don't even know why, but I'm feeling ticked. Help me. And then we just continue. So this pause and check-in might literally take 15 or 20 seconds. But as a daily practice, doing it once or twice, as you move throughout your day, you will be surprised at how helpful this will be if identifying your emotions and where you're at emotionally at any given moment is difficult for you. So that practice, that pause and check-in, opens up the second practice, which is lament, or what I would call um, a establishing a ritual of lament. We all need a lament ritual in our lives, I think especially as we get older. And this is a simple way to organize a time of lament that anybody can learn from. Now, this isn't like a magic bullet where these are perfect processes. You can play with this, you can tweak it, but I'm really trying to keep things simple and straightforward so that anybody, whether you're 15 or 55 or 95, there's an on-ramp here. And you could say, oh, I could see doing that. That's not overwhelming. That doesn't seem incredibly complex. This is the practice that we do in order to express our grief in the context of worship. So we're going to set aside up to five minutes. And please hear that, up to five minutes. Maybe it's going to be one minute, two minutes, up to five minutes. We're going to set a timer for that time, and I'll just keep referring to five minutes, but the time is somewhat inconsequential, other than if this is new to you, start small, and then over weeks and months, grow it. So we're going to set aside five minutes. It can be every day. It might be a few times a week. It might be once a week. I think once a week would be a minimum. That would be a good starting point. And what we're going to do is allow ourselves in these five minutes to feel one dimension of our grief as courageously as we're able to. We might not let, be able to let all the grief that touches all the different dimensions of our lives in, but we're going to focus on one dimension of grief. I'm really disheartened and discouraged because I've, um, because of the isolation of the pandemic and the way that that has thinned out so many core relationships in my life, relationships that are important to me. And I'm sad about that. I feel like I've lost so many moments over this last year. We're going to acknowledge that. You're just going to bring one dimension of your grief to God. And then what you're going to do is, again, give yourself permission to feel that loss as deeply as you're comfortable with. And you might want to start with the small losses. There might be places of deep grief that you don't feel strong enough to hold on to for even a minute. That's totally fine. There should be, you don't, I don't want you to feel any shame in that. You don't have to go right for the, the jugular issues. Take us something small. Let's grow that muscle, grow that capacity. 
We're doing what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6. Whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and then your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is a very personal process. Get into an undistracted space. Name that loss out loud. God, I am so brokenhearted. I'm so frustrated. I'm so angry that I've been isolated like this for so long that I haven't been able to see my grandkids, that I haven't been able to connect with my friends, that I haven't had a birthday party, that I didn't get to celebrate this moment or this event in my life in the way that I wanted to. Psalm 42 talks about pouring out your heart to God, and that's what we're doing in this. And just talk to God about it. I would say pray, but sometimes when Christians hear the word pray, what gets overlaid with that is say nice things to God or talk to God in a way that's very polished and very proper. And the reason why we're bounding this ritual of lament to one, two, three, four, five minutes is to create a small space that you can enter into regularly where you can relieve yourself of the duty of having to say nice things to God. And you can just be as emotionally raw as you need to be. Tears, pounding the table, yelling, it's all good. God is big enough for your grief. He's strong enough to sustain you in your grieving. So we find a space, we bind it with maybe five minutes. We try and feel the loss as acutely as we're able to. Then we name it out loud. Don't keep it in your head. Say it out loud. I am so um, hurt by this. God, I'm so hurt by this. Why didn't you stop this from happening? Why couldn't you have done more? What was I thinking? I don't understand. This doesn't make sense to me. And then when that timer goes off, you just bring yourself back. Obviously, you can keep sitting in that posture of prayer and worship if you want, but give thanks to God that he is healing you in ways that you might not even experience in that moment. And then move on with the rest of your day. So practice one, pause and check in with yourself. Practice two, a bounded small little pocket of your day or a few times a week where you can enter into lament in a way that is manageable, doesn't feel overwhelming, but over weeks and months deepens our ability to bring more and more places of pain to God that if we're honest, we can't even imagine doing right now. Through this series, our goal has been to identify habits and practices that lead to renewal and restoration in Christ. And as we grow older and as the losses inevitably come into our lives, personally, professionally, learning to identify and process our grief and learning to direct that grief towards God through lament is critical if we want to personally and powerfully experience the comfort that Jesus offers. Hear this promise and invitation from the Psalms. 
the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And the Lord saves those who are crushed in spirit. That's an important verse. It's an important promise. And do you hear the invitation to bring your brokenheartedness to God? Instead of hiding it, instead of minimizing it, instead of bypassing it, to allow God in? I believe it was this verse that prompted Ben Myers, the theologian, to summarize the entire book of Psalms this way. He said, if I had to summarize Psalms, it would be like this. The invention of antiphony. When my heart broke in two, he taught both parts to sing. Let's learn to bring our grief to God through lament. And let's let him teach us how to sing a new song. So as you move into this new week, family and friends of Nelson Covenant Church, may you learn to experience your grief. And then may you learn to express your grief. And then deeper still, may you learn to express your grief in the presence of God. As you lament, may you receive supernatural grace and comfort. And may the love of God the Father, the grace of God the Son, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with you all this week. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you at 10 o'clock for a Zoom communion. Bye-bye.